Hello, and welcome to the Shakti Hour, a podcast on Ram Dass's Be Here Now Network, where I speak with women about their personal experience on the spiritual path. My name is Melanie, and today I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with Ruby Warrington of TheNuminous.com. Ruby is the author of Material Girl, Mystical World, The Now Age Guide to a High Vibe Life. She has co-founded a series of events called Club Soda NYC and an online spiritual mentoring program called Moon Club. If you'd like to find out more about Ruby's offerings and to purchase her book, you can find links to all of that on the Shakti Hour page at BeHereNowNetwork.com. I really enjoyed having a chance to talk with Ruby and hearing more about her personal story, her thoughts on the upcoming trends in spirituality, and the value of setting aside the conditioned mind in discovery of the authentic self. Thank you all so much for listening to the Shakti Hour. This is the end of the first year of the Shakti Hour podcast, and I'm so grateful to all of you for listening, subscribing, and giving me your feedback. I am really looking forward to the new year and have lots of interesting and insightful guests lined up already. And uh, if you'd like to support the Shakti Hour, you can go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and make a one-time or reoccurring tax-deductible donation. And please do remember to subscribe to the Shakti Hour on iTunes and leave us a positive review if you are enjoying what you're hearing. I wish you all a very happy holidays and a blessed new year. And we'll see you again in 2018. So I'm here today with Ruby Warrington, the founder of TheNuminous.com and author of Material Girl in the Mystical World. And... Um, I'm so happy to be able to have her on as a guest. I've really enjoyed reading her book and following um, all of the great posts and information from the website. And Ruby, so what I'd like to start with is just have you give me and our listeners a little bit of an overview of your life as a spiritual seeker, your life on the path to becoming a mystic. <laughs> well, wow, where can I begin? Um, I guess let's begin with that word, right? The numinous, which is for anyone who's not hearing it, clearly numinous, which is spelled like luminous, but with an N. And I first heard that word um, from my first astrological mentor. I'm a lifetime student of astrology, and it's very much been my kind of a way that I really connect to my the idea of myself as a spiritual being, I suppose, the practice of astrology. And Shelley von Strunkel, my first astro mentor, used that word in conversation. Um, and also being a writer and a journalist, I immediately kind of, ooh, what's that? What does it mean? And she's in her, you know, she just used this word to describe that which is unknown or unknowable. And in relation to our human experience, for me, that word speaks to the parts of our experience that we can't necessarily articulate with words, that we don't really have the vocabulary for, that we can only sense and feel and sort of intuit and know. And so for me, my sort of spiritual path, I suppose, is really about connecting to this numinous 
part of, of human life? Like, what is this, this part of life that we can't really explain in terms of, you know, the, the human, the material experience, but that all of us know and, and dance with daily, you know, this, the spiritual side of life, the spiritual part of being a human, which is undefinable. Um, so I suppose, uh, yeah, the, the numinous becoming the name of my website, my online magazine, and very much the kind of name of my project is really about, it's, it's about that. That's what it's been. That's what it is for me, you know, as a deeply intuitive and sensitive and empathic and very feeling person, um, as many of us are, <laughs> I really have always felt a very strong connection to that part of life. And until I heard that word numinous, I never really had a word for it. And I didn't really know how to connect with it or, or have any sort of like outside um, validation, I suppose, mm -hmm. that this was a part of life that was worth investigating or that bore any real relevance or importance. Whereas to me, as an individual, it always had. Yeah. And so my spiritual path has been really about connecting to that numinous part of myself and really giving as much importance to that part of myself as I do to the material, physical world and life that I lead, you know? Hmm. Can you remember your first connection with that part of life or your first kind of interaction with that in your young adult or childhood? Well, yeah, I mean, I was a very, very imaginative child, as many children are, you know, and I think I was seamlessly connected to that part of life. My world was infused with fairies and spirits and, you know, the imaginary friends and imaginary games that I would play. And so I was always very, very connected to that part of my experience as a child. And then we, many of us, as many of us learn, <laughs> over the years, well, that's not really important. That's not really worth focusing on. That's not real. So, you know, but I think, yeah, just kind of memories of playing in, where I grew up in the UK. Um, we lived in a, in a county called Suffolk, which is on the East Coast, and it's very rural and really quite wild and has a, lot, a deep kind of like pagan history, I suppose. And um, I grew up running around fields in my earliest memories as a child are kind of like rounding up all the little boys who lived in my street because I was the oldest I was the oldest child on our street mm -hmm. and then following me there were a few years behind kind of like a whole kind of <laughs> crop of boys so I was I'd gather everyone in the morning so like today we're today we're this today we're playing with this and so just memories of yeah really creating my own reality I suppose based mm -hmm. on what imaginings were coming to me that day mm -hmm. I love that um, that connection to creation and creating reality and sourcing this unknown, mysterious place, and how that came together with you as a as a writer with a word. Yeah, that actually yeah. a word <laughs> drew you. The word in the beginning there was the word, and that word actually drew you in to mm. being able to play again. Mm -hmm. with that spiritual aspect of your life. That's Absolutely. really beautiful. That's, That's really what beautiful. it felt like, yeah. honestly, when I heard that word, it reminded me of my deep connection to that part of life. Mm -hmm. And it gave a framework for me to um, begin reinvestigating or reconnecting mm -hmm. to that part of my life as an adult and, and realizing that so many of the ancient spiritual philosophies, practices, 
which I found fascinating. But but this it was back in sort of 2010, 2011 that I was began to to investigate this this side of life again. Um, was still quite far out of the mainstream. It felt like. Um, still are in many ways <laughs> and have always been in many ways <laughs> um but um yeah it sort of it remind it 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 helped me tap into the fact that so many of these practices philosophies are actually about re-establishing that connection or honoring that connection to the numinous part of ourselves hmm. and so what practices started bringing you back in this word was the trigger Mm. And so what did you start to do to draw that connection back into your life? Well, like I said, astrology has always been a real passion of mine ever since I was a child. I, le- I remember actually one of my earliest memories was I guess I was about three years old having learning that I'd been, for some reason, that I'd been born in the year of the dragon. <laughs> and really even that giving me a sort of a name or a visual or a character and an archetype for the kind of the passion and the rage and the, the, the sort of like fire I sometimes felt in myself. And I remember even as a very young child, kind of like going around making dragon noises at people to express this, this part wow. of myself. <laughs> and That's so I cute. really, you know, having, having always been into astrology or been interested in it, it was around then, around 2011 that I began studying more deeply astrology so my astrological practice and I think also I grew up in a completely non-religious household like there was no talk of any kind of religion or faith in that sort of sense um and I think actually and I talk about this in the book but astrology even from a very young age helped me to connect to the idea of something bigger than myself like being being part of a bigger grand plan I suppose you know cosmic reality um so astrology was one and has always been there and will always been there. And I continue my astrological studies. I will always be a student of astrology. There's just so much to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was around the same time I had my first experiences with meditation. And that has been something which has grown and developed as well over the years. I, and what were yeah. those experiences? Um, well, my first experience of meditation was, as I write in the book, as you may have read this chapter, um, with the founder of Headspace, Andy Puddicombe. Mm-hmm. Headspace is a meditation app that is wildly popular and has really helped to democratize and bring meditation to the masses. Um, and it was around the first time when he was first launching Headspace. I, um, I was working at the Sunday Times in the UK at the time, and we'd heard about this guy and thought about having him create some meditations that could live on the website and guided meditations. So I went to visit him with a colleague and he had us meditate just for 10 minutes in his office. And I, re- I almost had a panic attack, what felt like it. Wow. My system at the time mm. was so jacked up on caffeine and stress and all of the city stresses mm. that came with my very busy, hectic, deadline-oriented journalistic career. Um, but within a few minutes of actually mindful breathing, mm. my, my system just freaked out. Freaked out. So yeah. it was actually quite frightening. Um, but then Shelley, the same astrological mentor, was doing some meditation sessions or classes in her home. So I went to one of those and had a different experience with it. Um, and the first, it was the first time I actually acknowledged that I am separate from my thoughts. And I remember she had a very distinct and sweet way of describing it, you know, after our, after the first sort of just mindful meditation practice she guided us through. 
she and when she had asked us to be, you know be the observer of our thoughts and afterwards she just said well who who is observing observing your thoughts and it was so simple and yet so profound it was another real light bulb moment of like aha yeah yeah there is a there's a self there's an i that is separate from my thoughts so what is that self well that is the numinous self Hmm. i have come to believe so meditation has been one um yoga is something else i now use daily as a tool and i say use because i do see yoga as a tool versus an activity that i go and do because Mm -hmm. i do yoga Mm -hmm. i really use it as a tool um and various, various other things, I suppose. I stopped eating meat in 2010 and just getting, you know, conscious around that as well has been something huge. So they're quite sort of, they are quite practical, simple tools, you know. I, I also, um, one of my other projects that I launched last year is um, called Moon Club. And it's a sort of spiritual mentoring program for women um expressly for women we welcome all gender expressions at our live meetups but the online group is for women only women and female identifying individuals um and so developing a really strong moon practice and ritualizing that in different ways has also become a way to really connect to the the cycles of nature and to the the cosmos as well so so that's something else Give me a little bit um, more, maybe on your perspective from now, looking back after having created this whole world, um, around that that moment in the headspace office mm. of three minutes of time. Like, what can you say about that now, looking back on it, or what can you, what else can you reflect on that moment of being in that office? You mean the physical experience I had yeah. of meditating and yeah. actually feeling very... Because I'm actually, when you were telling that, uh, and kind of in the whole, the whole overarch of your story, I'm, mm. I'm seeing almost like these two kind of parallel lines that, are, that were running at the same speed. <laughs> and it seems like in that moment, they flipped. One was on top, and one was like the sub line, and then they flipped. And it seems like it was that moment when it really um yeah twisted but maybe maybe that's not but it it feels like a really potent moment that you know i'm not sure um yeah it just seems interesting so what can what is I was that very i was very surprised to have had that kind of a physical reaction and when i say it yeah. was like a panic attack i experienced rapid raising of my heart rate feelings of vertigo Um, and just feeling disembodied, clammy hands and Mm. panic, you know? Um, and I think that, I guess looking back, I can say that, um, I had been unconsciously suppressing or not, um, connecting to my emotional, spiritual self without even realizing it. I was in this very stressful job like I said that was very much about meeting deadlines showing up on time being this person in the world like nine to five that was it Mm. I was like everybody I knew at the time Mm. self-medicating with caffeine alcohol other drugs um shopping addiction all of Mm. these things but that was completely the norm in my world 
Um, and I say self-medicating because I realized that I was using all of those things as a way to push through any feelings of fatigue, any feelings of I need to be inwards now, any feelings of this is not making me happy, any feelings of this isn't fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, yeah, even in those few minutes with Andy of closing down the conscious monkey mind, mm-hmm. that part of myself that was so craving some kind of recognition went, whoa, hi, yes, I'm here. <laughs> and it was right. overwhelming. Yeah. 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 And so that, and that, um, but something in you was able to push through that moment. That might be a moment that stops other people. Yes. From right. going any, I'm not yes. doing that again. You know? <laughs> yes. True. But, so was, what, what was, was it in you that you think that was, that was, well, right? were you ready right after that to go or? or... I, I can't remember precisely the time scale. Yeah. Um, but I think, yes, I was frightened. I did not want to go. I thought meditation. Wow. I was like, this is supposed to be relaxing. <laughs> that felt <laughs> yeah. like the opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I was already hmm. under the mentorship of Shelley. Uh-huh. I'd already identified that things, some things weren't working for me. Hmm. Um, I was suffering extreme anxiety in my job. Um, it was shortly, it was, hmm. this is the thing, it's kind of lost slightly to the mists of time, but it's all around the same time I um, had a consultation with a nutrition. Well, actually, I interviewed a nutritionist for my job and brought up in conversation that I was having trouble sleeping. I was very anxious. And he suggested that I stop drinking coffee and cut sugar out of my diet. Within two weeks, my system had calmed. I was sleeping through the night again. I felt optimistic about the future, opposed to being completely overwhelmed all the time. So that had had a profound effect. Um, I was doing, I I had already identified that I needed to find something outside of my job, my career, which had been so important to me, and I'd really put everything into and had succeeded as a result. but I, and so I had approached Shelley about, you know, deepening my astrological studies just to have something on the side that would feed my soul for, you know, not that I was necessarily thinking it that way, but there was something that would bring more meaning to my days, I suppose. Um, and so when Shelley then suggest, let me know that she was going to be, and it's probably, it was probably a few months later that she was going to be teaching meditation and did I want to come and try it? I think I'd already spent enough time with her. She's an, she's an astrologer, a very eminent astrologer in the UK. She's from California, but she's been working in the UK for 30 years or so now, I suppose. But her, I mean, her apartment where I would go for my sessions with her is, is kind of like the Harry Potter library. It's like every book under the sun about every different mystical tradition. And mm. she had been telling me all about her different travels and studies, the gurus she'd worked with. And so I was very open to all of these subject areas with her as my guide. And so when she said that she was going to be studying, teaching meditation or kind of doing these intro sessions, I decided to, to try it again. But I was, when that first moment came, when she asked us to close our eyes and I was nervous, of course, but I am a, also a natural born seeker. I think I'd already had this experience of, you know, changing my, my physical well-being through changing my diet. Um, and I was just, I was, deeply fascinated by what she was teaching me about outside of meditation so I guess I was um, 
I have Sagittarius rising, so I am a seeker. (laughs) (laughs) But we had some, there was some infrastructure that in place and, you know, it's like you kind of were setting up, there was the coffee was gone. Mm -hmm. There was this relationship with this woman. There was, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a little bit of infrastructure so that when the stop happened, there maybe was some already some support in place to, to then to keep going. And I think, you know, I honestly, when I first had the experience with Andy, my immediate thought was, well, there's something wrong with me because this works for everyone else. Mm. I didn't, I didn't immediately go to, wow, meditation is dangerous. I immediately went to, okay, there's something unbalanced within me that I had that reaction. So Mm. this is, this is, this is helpful to many millions of people, Mm. you know, so I, I was willing to try again because there was some science you were scientific about it on on some level there's a lot of people that are enjoying this so exactly yeah (laughs) and I think even in the few months probably that had passed you know the conversation around meditation was was becoming more mainstream and yeah I was curious and so how does it feel to be in this moment where you know this is all happening I mean does it does it feel you know the timing of your awakening with this happening culturally? I mean, how does that feel to be a part of that? Um, very aligned. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting. Like I, you know, I had worked as a features journalist specializing mm. in sort of like lifestyle trends mm. for my entire career. Mm. And I've always been very attuned to the zeitgeist in that sort of a way, like able to spot this is going to be the next trend. However, creating, I launched the Numinous, officially 2013 but again working on it in 2012 mm-hmm. none of none of which was planned and it's been very interesting to see how my feeling and my my impetus for creating the numinous was that coming from this very kind of glossy aspirational fashion magazine background yeah with a deep interest in all things esoteric it felt to me there was a gap for a, some kind of a publication that brought those two worlds together um, in order to in, perhaps remove some of the stigma that can exist around mystical subjects as being flaky or woo-woo or weird or out there. I saw these as tools with huge potential benefit to everybody on the planet mm-hmm. and really felt there was space for a platform that presented them in a way that was like super palatable and accessible and intriguing and beautiful, you know? Um beautiful to the kinds of audiences that I had been used to speaking to. Mm. And so it's been really interesting to see how during that time frame, 2011-12 to now, these subjects have come much more into the mainstream in terms of, you know, a young kind of like hip, fashion conscious, millennial audience are very much like talking about all of these things now. Um, And I do like to think that the numinous has been part of broadening that conversation but at the same time I just feel like um you know my my book which was a spin-off really from the numinous it introduces many of these subjects through the lens of my own personal experiences has been I think that my personal experience and my personal journey has been a reflection of what's been happening on the macrocosm and in a way I sort of feel like my whole life I've been very attuned to that because like I said I'd always I've always written about social trends it's just kind of 
I just am energetically aligned in a way with what's going on in, in the macrocosm. And so, yeah, it's been really interesting. And like I said, it just feels very aligned. I, I feel much more, you know, there's a chapter on doing your dharma and I feel much more aligned with my purpose to be using that natural gift mm-hmm. in this way to promote and kind of write and communicate about something which I feel can be and will be and is so beneficial to to the populace, you know, yeah, versus yeah. writing about fashion trends or, you know, whatever whatever it was I might have been writing about before. Yeah, yeah. and there's a, the chapter about yoga in your book. I, I just, I was just struck with, you just lay out the eight limbs of yoga <laughs> in a breakdown box, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, these are these are texts that, you know, Many of us, it took like a lot of time to find this text and to get into the sutras and to understand, you know, you know, what's going on and who's Patanjali, you know, and I love that it's just, it's just there. It's just, you just lay them out. Here's a Himsa, here's some (laughs) Samadhi, you know, and, and then, and you can just keep going or you can take that and, and go deeper in and, um, and I think, uh, I, I mean, how how's the reception been to that? Um, okay, so a couple of things. Yeah. Writing the chapters on yoga and meditation were almost the most difficult. Yeah. Because I kind of felt, well, there's there are thousands of years of knowledge here. Yeah. How do I make this accessible and relevant while also respecting these traditions? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was very difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. But I knew I had to, I wanted to include these because these are two practices which, if anything, are the most accessible, have become the most accessible and mainstream and are very much an entry point for a lot of people into this numinous world. Um, so it was a huge challenge. Um, and the response, by and large, has been, thank you for making this so relatable. Okay, yeah, I get it now. Okay, yeah, this does feel like it can be for me. Hmm. My concern, and there has actually, there have actually been very, very few, um, if any, really, sort of responses that have been more along the lines of this is disrespectful or it's too shallow or, you know, my fear was that I would get that kind of a response. And there have maybe been like one or two um, reviews on Amazon that have kind of like said this is just too shallow. But that's also fine if it's too shallow for you there are thousands of years of texts for you to dive into on a deeper way i want to speak to people who are shopping in walmart who may never believe that yoga could be a practice for them otherwise you know if it involves like years of study and you know renouncing other things in your life that feel good or beneficial to you that's going to turn off millions of people from ever even investigating yoga so i did want to create um you know a lower barrier to entry in terms of studying or understanding what these subjects are about yeah well and it does it does feel the respect feel it comes through i mean it does for from my point of view the respect for the value the weight of the text does come through but i was you know but i was i was um I was struck by it, and uh, I had spoke with uh, this woman, Lama Siltram Alioni, uh, earlier this year, and, you know, she's a, a Tibetan Lama, and, you know, in her 70s, and, and then so I was talking to her about this explosion of 
And she talked about it as all these different Dharma doors. Mm. She saw it as very as a very beautiful thing that, you know, that now there's a, a, a yoga studio in every little town in, in America and that this in that there's an entry point for everyone to go into. And then like you said, if you want to know more, if you want to dive deeper into Patanjali's sutras, there's plenty of resources, you know, yes. and places and, and, and possibility for you to do that study. I think I'll just add one more thing. I think that if anything, the danger is that people sort of use these practices as a badge to go, I do this and so now I am spiritual and sort of see it as a lifestyle which you can buy just as you might buy, you know, catwalk collections or whatever else and focus on the material aspect. And what I also really wanted to do was kind of, state and make it quite clear that this is not something you can just buy into it's not a practice to be bought this is why I said at the beginning you know yoga for me is a tool not an activity it's not something I do with my girlfriends on a Saturday as a way to hang out I do yoga in my pajamas at home because I want to feel a certain way and I want to feel my body and I want to allow my emotions to process physically so I think I I hope that comes through in the in the book also (laughs) it definitely does and I and i and I appreciate the playfulness too, and you know the image of you playing on the in the countryside in in England um, <laughs> too. You know, it kind of that whole playfulness comes through, and I do think that's definitely part of what it drew has drawn me and kept me um, with my teacher Ramdas. Is there's a lot of playfulness, there's a lot of imagination, there's a lot of freedom to explore. Mm. You know, while maintaining this. Um, you know, this Shri, this kind of connection to the truth in a, in a very um, deep and loving way. Mm-hmm. So how, how has that um, evolved for you now? So you, you've built this, this uh, whole kind of world around your own awakening and so how, how, are, how is that evolving for you now personally? Like, how are you feeling within that? Um, one very personal outcome has been that I no longer drink alcohol and I've become a passionate advocate for what I call sober curiosity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, bringing that playfulness to what I think is actually a very deep and big subject when we're talking about our spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. So that's been another big part of my journey and I run sober curious events and and talk a lot about how you know on my path I realized that drinking alcohol was actually a substitute for numinous a connection to the numinous mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um and that came, a substitute that also came with many toxic and and um unwelcome side effects um so that's been a huge part of it um so you know in terms of my life now I feel physically better than I ever have. I have slight colds today, so if you hear me snuffling, it's actually <laughs> the first time I've been even close to sick for a, several years now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so physically I feel very well. Um, one thing I think I do like to talk about is that, you know, the book is called The Now Age Guide to a High Vibe Life. And I think a lot of people enter in this, onto this path when they're not feeling great and they want to feel better in some way happier, more relaxed, like more connected, all of these things. Um, I don't feel, I don't feel happier. (laughs) You know, I'm not, 
I'm not kind of like walking around on cloud cloud nine all the time. And I think a big part of my path and a big realization has been that, wow, to live a high vibe life or to feel this numinous connection doesn't mean feeling happy and upbeat all the time. If anything, it just feels means being much more connected to when I don't feel those ways and when I feel difficult emotions and actually, you know, welcoming those emotions as part of my whole experience. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm healthier. I'm not happier. <laughs> I am um, just more, but more, but I'm more myself. I'm 100% myself. And myself is sometimes sad, anxious, overwhelmed, hmm. depressed, all of those things too. And that's okay. So that's been a big part of it. I guess, um, yeah, I feel very, very passionate and grateful and to have birthed many creations in the world that I feel really of, of value and importance that I feel deeply connected to. So yeah, um, where I am now, I'm hopefully going to be writing another book next year. Um, I run, like I said, I've, I've kind of translated a lot of, or I'm in the process of translating a lot of what I've created with the Numinous into an actual, this community, this online community, Moon Club, that um, launched a year ago. I run it with a colleague who's based in LA. And that's been a way to really have much, build much, build, build an actual community around these practices, around this journey I've been on to be able to pass back um, to others and inspire others to pursue this kind of a path for themselves. Um, and that feels really, really great, actually, to be actually connecting with people in a much more real way with it all. Um, the Numinous is going to be having a bit of a, a revamp and a, a tweak um, for next year. Um, That's exciting. But yeah, it's all it's all exciting, you know. My life is extremely rich. Yeah, <laughs> extremely richly textured. I remember once, um, yeah, hearing that phrase. I can't remember when I first heard it, but you know, the idea of living a richly textured life, and that's how life feels to me now. Hmm. And you feel like that's a direct result of your spiritual revolution. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Is there something that you would um, like to explore more, either in the, the, the different practices that you lay out in your book or something that you are personally curious about um, diving deeper into in esoteric or spiritual, traditional spiritual practice? I would love to do a Vipassana meditation um, retreat. That's the idea of it is petrifying to me. <laughs> um, but um, at the same time, it feels not necessary. But um, yeah, I'm deeply intrigued as to what that experience would be like. So um, along, so the positive, the yes. idea of sitting for a, in with in silence yes. solely for ten days or or yes. more. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, in silence, but also with no writing materials or no form or method for self-expression whatsoever. So, yeah, you, the idea being that you sit um, in meditation for between eight and ten hours a day, if not longer. And, yeah, really get into the layers and layers and layers, the deep subconscious. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. very interested in that. I'm currently doing another astrological mentorship so getting deeper into my astrological studies and I really haven't 
I haven't done much traveling from a sort of spiritual seeking perspective. Um, and that's some, I've been very much kind of just grounded for the past five, six years while I've been building this, I suppose. And I would really like to get out into the world and experience some different teachings and different cultural kind of expressions of, of spirituality, I suppose, you know, um, I'd love to go to India. I haven't spent any time in India and that's somewhere that's definitely on my list. Mm. That sounds great. <laughs> Maybe even we'd love to, we're, we're talking about doing some kind of a service trip with Moon Club. So that's something I would like to be in the not too distant future also. Mm. That sounds like a, a wonderful uh, next chapter of exploration yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to lead and then to share and to bring back. Yeah. And I do think that that like, you know, this idea of spiritual leadership, if that's like a a real thing, I, I'm, I'm not sure because, you know, I think in a, like Ramdas has, has said often he used to refer to himself as rent a mouth, that he was just the one that was set there to tell everything that we already knew. And we would sit there and nod, basically him reflecting back to us what, what we knew inside. I love that. Yes. Yes. I, I shy away from that idea of like teacher leader it's like no I'm just an inspiration like I'm I can inspire you through living my journey and my truths to do the same yourself you know that's yeah that's what it that's what it is yeah right and and tuned into to each of our individual gifts your gift of of tapping into trends and being able to write and present about it in a way that draws people in and that's you know for me that 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 this moment spiritually is really what that is asking and calling from each of us is to to find what that is and to to give from that place Mm -hmm. and that and that that is part of the cycling in of all of our um, evolution spiritually and our consciousness expanding together yeah i love that and that's really something you know our, our tagline for um Moon Club is own your voice, find your story, serve the world. Hmm. And I think that, yeah, the fact that we all have a unique and individual set of circumstances, (laughs) evolutionary (laughs) processes, karma that inform our journey means that we all have an equally important story to share, to inspire others. And if it means inspiring one person, if it means inspiring people in our family if it means inspiring the people in our school whatever it is then that's enough you know and it's really important for us all to to step into that role is there anything else that um that you think is is out there with your trendsetting eye in the zeitgeist that that might be um percolating for for us spiritually right now or, or on the in mm. esoteric practices? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's still a long way um, for it to go in terms of this conversation becoming more mainstream, really. Um, it's, from, it's funny, from where I sit now in my Numiverse and you know, most of my connections, close connections now being people who are very much on this path and in this conversation, I can sometimes forget how far there is to go and how, and I think, but I I think like, yeah, like I said, I think that many, many more expressions of this, of these sort of spiritual practices coming through in ways that speak to, to different kinds of 
people with different backgrounds and different belief systems and different needs and all of that stuff, I think we'll already begin to see a big diversification in the way that spirituality is presented and spoken of. What's the end game with the end result being, you know, (laughs) you know, what's the, what's Um, the, yeah, what's the intention? Well, I think, um, you know, so much of what my book has been about and what my journey has been about is the idea that, you know, so many of us live our lives from behind these deep, deep layers of conditioning and are not really expressing our true selves. And that that's the, the root of so much suffering for people. Mm-hmm. And so I think the end goal would be for everybody to feel free mm-hmm. and empowered to just be themselves. Mm-hmm. That's it, really. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. that's beautiful yeah that freedom freedom to be yourself yeah Mm -hmm. exactly and and the suffering you know I really I really did feel that you know like the suffering of living behind those layers of of conditioning Mm -hmm. and and being able to come out of that and to step into something authentic really is that freedom and like you and like you said, like I'm happy on cloud nine every day, da 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 da. But I'm myself. Exactly. And I'm accepted and I yeah. accept myself, you know? Yeah. In all yeah. of my with all of my flaws and with all of my kind of uncertainties and with all of my quirks and and with all my strangeness. <laughs> and you're able to give from that place in a way that is is helpful to others. Exactly. And I yeah. think not only are you able to give, but you no longer need to take. That's the the other big thing. It's like mm-hmm. there's no more this this need to kind of like grasp onto, like I said, all the external things, be it coffee, alcohol, shopping, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There's no need to use all of those external things to kind of paper over the cracks or pretend to be or look like I'm this person when actually this is just me, you know? <laughs> no need to take from others as well no need to kind of like knock others down if they're for making me feel less than anything you know if Mm -hmm. I'm confident that I'm enough as I am I don't need to take away from others Hmm. and that confidence comes from knowing the true self yeah right and I'm still getting to know her (laughs) right yeah wonderful (laughs) yeah I mean I suppose one of the most one of the most wonderful things about this whole journey has been the the way that it's healed my relationship with my mom and the way that it's almost also healed her relationship with her family history. Um, it's been, it's had far reaching kind of tentacles, you know, when it comes to thinking about connect, how I connected to my lineage, like the women in my lineage, all these sorts of things, which I wasn't anticipating at all when I embarked on this journey. But that's been one of the most um, important revelations, actually. That that your journey, you're you're doing this work, your your willingness to go in filters into your ancestry, filters into your your whole yeah. your whole life, that evolution. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, then when thinking about the end goal, if I yeah. think about that for every you know if everybody could have that experience the kind of healing we would see individually but collectively as well i think would be will be will be immense <laughs> right is is becoming yes yes is becoming, exactly yeah. is becoming <laughs> 
Well, I've asked all of my guests if they would give a piece of advice specifically to women and girls on the spiritual path. So I offer that to you. Um, yes. Well, I, my advice is don't assume that there's a one size fits all approach to your healing journey or sp- what spirituality is for you. Um, and really my advice would be to, um, stop reading things like the numinous that tell you this is how to, <laughs> this is how to, this is how to like have a spiritual connection with your guides or whatever, and actually really just, um, investigate and explore and do your own seeking and respond to and follow the practices, the teachings that really spark a sense of aliveness in you. Um, and because your friends or your goddess group is doing it this way, don't assume that you have to do it that way also if it doesn't resonate with you. And what does that spark of aliveness feel like? Can you help us understand what, so we know maybe yeah. what that is? Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, it feels like um, an insatiable curiosity almost. And that's how it was with me in astrology when I was you know, thinking about, well, what's something I could research as a passion project just for myself on the side? I asked myself the question, well, what's the thing I could talk about and research just endlessly and never feel bored? And it was astrology. So that was my entryway into this whole journey, you know? Um, So it feels like curiosity and excitement, really. Hmm. Curiosity and excitement and tuning into that and exploring Mm -hmm. and having that adventurous spirit to and that playful spirit yes yeah exactly what feels like fun you know I think that one thing and I'm glad you picked up on this I feel like for many people looking at the or thinking about following a more spiritual path it can seem very serious and weighty which it is on many levels Mm. but I've also had the most fun in my life pursuing these things you know and had the best belly laughs and met some of the most brilliant and hilarious people and I think like, yeah, following what feels like fun, it, it doesn't have to feel serious or like a penance or like, a, you know, be infused with a sense of duty. There is a sense of duty and responsibility that kind of emer- has emerged out of it for me, certainly, in terms of my duty and responsibility as a member of the human race to actually be contributing something useful, <laughs> valuable. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, it should feel like fun. Yeah. And once you recognize that, divinity that that sense of duty you're talking about once you recognize the divinity in yourself you see it in others and it's natural that you want then to reflect that back to them so yeah well this has been a delight ruby it was so so nice to meet you and to speak with you here and um, i encourage everyone to please go to the shakti hour page at beherenownetwork.com where you'll find links to the numinous and also to purchase ruby's book And thank you so much, Ruby. You have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your responsiveness and for having me on. From Ram Dass to Sharon Salzberg, Be Here Now Network is home to over 17 amazing podcasts. But we can't do it without your continued support. Donate at BeHereNowNetwork.com slash fundraiser to receive an exclusive gift and help us continue to deliver over five fresh podcasts each week.